Hey, what's up, people? This is Sports Debate Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. BVNE, the biggest, greatest get notice showcase in the United States of America. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. You want to get noticed? We have as many as 22 to 25 NCAA sand volleyball coaches coming to the exhibition. BVNE, Beach Volleyball National Events, a family that plays together, stays together. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV. Looking to get your video broken down, looking for for things that you like and for things that need to get better, come to me. I break down your tape. The difference between me and other people that break down your tape is I win all the time. I get tired of winning. NY Varsity Sports, watching me, watching you. This is episode 40, Rob McLean. I got Rob McLean, and the episode starts right now. Step into a world where there's no one left. But the very best, no MC can test. Rob, yes, yes, y'all, we don't stop. <laughs> Episode 40, along with Rob, keep him McLean. McLean, I am Jason DeBiss. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. Before I go any further, how you doing? What's up? Doing great, man. How you doing? We getting right. That's how we doing. We getting right. So... Got a lot to cover today. We have the NFL. We want to know how, how what everyone thinks about Tua's uh, debut. Well, not debut. His debut was last week. Threw a couple of balls, earned him the starting position. <laughs> this is still a little disappointed in that. Uh, which first-year quarterback uh, has impressed you the most in this midpoint of the season or near midpoint of the season? Going into week nine, we're going to talk about the UFC. Anderson Silva uh, gets KO'd by, uh, or TKO'd by Uriah Hall. Uh, most likely is going to retire. Dana is going to make him. Um, of course, we're going to have our segment of to shame or not to shame. We're going to have, uh, sorry, we're going to have a quick question, but first things first, Rob, we have to do the most important thing we're doing because we are in football season. We have to talk about the NFL pick six. We are entering week nine, but before we enter week nine, let's view the results from week eight. Travis Muirwitter, thank you for participating. You are the man. You are a genius because you are left-handed. Travis Muirwitter is a the writer for Volleyball Magazine. He's a color commentator. He covered a lot of SEC for football, so he knows his football. And this week broke off even at 3-3. Three and three. Rob McLean, you are also 3-3. Three and three. I, yours truly, am a dominant 1-5. <laughs> that makes our cumulative win-loss record. Rob, you're 23-17-1. I am 17-23-1. I am your anti-Rob, if you will. And Travis Mirwitter, congratulations. Uh, you represent the slew of guests, and all of the guests are combined. Still ahead, 25-15-1. So, Rob McLean, we got a guest every week, and we try to get a little AV, you know, volleyball players, to be our guest because that's our wheelhouse and that moves the needle for our followers and we're loyal to our volleyball people always always and this week three-time olympian olympic gold medalist ryan millar is has entered his picks into the scene 
And ready? Here we go. Rob McLean, the first game of the pick six. The Packers are visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Who you got, brother? Uh, I'm going to go with the 40. I mean, I'm sorry, with the Packers here. Uh, I think they bring back from last week. Yeah, the Packers, you never really see them lose two in a row, uh, uh, particularly with uh, uh, when they have a really well-coached team, when they have a decent running game. I thought Jamal Williams was a great super sub for Aaron Jones. Devontae Adams was a fantasy monster, I know, because I had him. And I, as you can tell, uh, as per our discussion before we got on the podcast, I needed him. I'm going to go with the Packers, and I strongly believe that Ryan Millar is also going to go with the Packers. Actually, let's put him in the middle. There you go. Yeah. All right. I got it. Fixing. This is what happens when I tech my own show, people. <laughs> All right. So next game, we have the Ravens visiting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Ravens lost at home. Didn't like it. The Colts are significantly better with Phil Rivers and... Um, they're they're running back guy whose name escapes me. I can't believe him. I have him on fantasy has been setting the world on fire because um, yeah. uh, bursting with these good runs. But I think I trust Lamar Jackson more than I trust Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers can be old man Rivers or he can be beat the world Rivers. I do not trust that man. And I'm going with the Ravens. Who you got, Rob? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think after a, a tough fought one by the Ravens uh, this past week, I think they come again just ready to not dominate a team but um you know bring their best and I, I i think the ravens beat them on a on the best day cool and ryan millar sees something we don't he's going with the cults okay we got game number three rob uh we have the bears visiting the tennessee titans mm. both had pretty bad weeks last week um I, I like the Tennessee Titans. You know, I just like their receiving core. I like, you know, how Ryan Tannehill's, you know, I just like the way he's playing football. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just – I'm not really a big fan of what's, what's going on with the Bears right now, so I'm going to go with the Titans. One, two, tell me who are you? The Bears. Three, four, two, to hell with them this week okay i i was i was all down with nick Foles last week i was like allow me to introduce myself my name is Foles, but i found out Foles gold is fool's gold <laughs> fool's gold is fool's gold i'm going with the titans on this and ryan millar i think he's going to co-sign with us he's going to go with the titans ryan millar <laughs> good job buddy all right we have game number four the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Buffalo Bills. I believe I go. F- no, you go first on this one, right? No, Seahawks. Uh, I go first. Yeah. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Let's go Buffalo! Let's go Buffalo! Yo, Buffalo is gonna have to be magnificent to play this game. I think they learned a lot from losing to Kansas City and capitalizing on penalties. I think Seattle is not a very good road team, and I know it's going to be tight, and every person on this planet is going to pick the Seahawks, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm probably going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> uh, I just love what they got with Decaf and uh, DK Metcalf and uh, and uh, Tyler Lockett, man. I mean, Carson, uh, Chris Carson, and everything they got there. I just, I really love what they're what they're doing. So sad they didn't come out the win this past week, uh, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I think they're 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 begging for a win this week. Well, any, I mean, any given Sunday, you want to pick Russell Wilson over Allen. I get that. I mean. I, I mean, we're, we're going to, as we see, see Ryan's pick, Ryan, I think is going to go with the um, Seahawks as well. He even gave me a score, 20, 28, 17, uh, which, which I guess sounds logical. Their defense got better and, and this and that. And we both know why I'm picking the bills. There's no, uh, I mean, my pick doesn't follow any real logic. I'm just a prisoner of the moment. I was right. For, I mean, you sang the song, so. Yeah. Well, I was right six out of eight times about him, you know, but I was also right a bunch of times with Seattle, too. So, listen, I need to catch up. So, if I got to take a hot L to risk catching up to you guys, I will. Game number five, the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, visiting the Arizona Cardinals. Oof. I mean, I think this is going to be amazing to see what two is worth uh, about, but definitely not going to pick against the Arizona Cardinals. Absolutely not. I got to go with the Cardinals too. I'm going with the Cardinals too. I think um, to, uh, I mean, he didn't. His numbers weren't exactly setting the world on fire, but he didn't. But I guess he didn't need to. And Coach Flores no. said, "Hey, listen, there's some games where he just doesn't have to beat himself." Our defense and our special teams are going to do a good job. Uh, big up, by the way, to the defense and special teams. Came up with a score apiece. You know, so you look at their four scores, right? Defensive touchdown, special teams, punt return, uh, running play, and then two a passed one. So those are, I think, their four scores or, or whatever. I think they got to 31 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like Tua, but... Um, and he took a really hard hit from Darren Donald. Oh, but, yeah. I got, but, yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals on this one. And Ryan Millar, who do you got, buddy? Let's go on, Ryan. Ryan shouts. Dolphins. Dolphins by three. Ryan Millar mm-hmm. says 24-21. Our last game of the week for the pick six is the New Orleans Saints facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, when the Saints come marching in oh when the saints come marching in you know they beat the bucks the first time but it ain't gonna happen this time didn't rhyme got got the tries who you got yeah i'm with the bucks i mean they're they're definitely firing all cylinders and the saints just seem like they can't really do they can't do they can only do enough to beat some uh, average teams and then the best teams they kind of falter to so bucks for me yeah, Bruce Arians is a, is a hard coach to beat twice, right? So, um, and Ryan Millar co-signs with us. He says the Bucks thirty-four, thirty-one, and that's cool. That concludes our segment of the NFL Pick Six. And while we're still on the subject of the NFL, you and I in the beginning of the NFL season had a great conversation about some of these first-round draft picks and about some of these first-year quarterbacks. And and I believe people like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have spoiled us rotten, right? I mean, Josh Allen, strong arm, good running legs. Is he for real? Yeah, six and two is for real. Lamar Jackson, was some experts was like he should be recruited as a receiver. No, he decided to stand his ground. 14 and 2 record. He's for real. Patrick Mahomes, second year, 
First year as a starter, regular season MVP. Second year as a starter, Super Bowl champ. So they've set this standard where they have spoiled us rotten to the core, Rob McLean. So with that being said, this next wave of quarterbacks, which quarterback in this midseason to date has impressed you thus far? Um, yeah, so I, for me, I think it's the, the kid from Oregon, uh, Justin Herbert, um, on the LA Chargers. Uh, yeah, for me, he's, I, I was not expecting what he's been able to do. I didn't think anybody was going to expect him to play this year. I think he was, if any of the quarterbacks that were drafted in the high, uh, in the first round were expected to be a project, he was it. Um, especially going to a team that's ready to, to, to plug and play a quarterback. But what he's done with that team, although they haven't been winning games, which is crazy to me because they've been scoring 30, 25 plus. Yeah, remember um, the hook and ladder? Game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, doing if all that these guy new catches plays the ball, and, they would have won. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's just crazy to me that this guy is that big, you know, 6'5, 220, 230. Uh, he runs the ball well. Uh, he's known for running the ball well, but man, he's got a great arm. Uh, he, doesn't make mistakes. I don't think he reads the field that great, but I think he doesn't make mistakes. So he takes the easy option and he wants to beat you with your, with his legs uh, or he understands he can beat people with his legs. So he's got a true dual quarterback aspect going on. Um, but talking about all these quarterbacks together, I still don't think even to even Burrow, I still don't see them having the high ceiling uh, the superstar level high ceiling. I thought Joe Burrow might have been that guy coming in. I thought Tua might have been that guy, uh, you know, from when I first heard about him in like 2015. But just from the way it looks like, when you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, when you look like a guy like uh, even Josh Allen, you know, they're not only franchise changers, but culture changers. And I just don't see that type of culture change coming from a Tua who's a, a little bit more of a um, a quiet leader. And then Joe Burrow, who's, again, maybe a bit more fiery, but there's just something about him where he has to be he has to be on all cylinders to be his very best. He can't have a, an okay day and put out great numbers, talking about Joe Burrow. Everything's got to be clicking where receivers, everything. So for me, I think Herbert has been the most impressive because he didn't have any type of expectations and he's beating everybody else's expectations for the other better quarterbacks. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think uh, Herbert has um, definitely not only just gotten me excited about watching the, the Chargers again, but, you know, impressed me the most. Um, Rob, keep him McLean. McLean. For all the reasons you said, Justin Herbert, I go with Burrow. Uh, so many similarities the way these guys come into the scene. Both have a strong arm, both mentally tough, both um, are not frail quarterbacks, and both quarterbacks' record really doesn't show what they are. They were one or two plays from having a winning season, and instead they have a losing season. I mean, if you look at the Chargers just this last week alone and previous weeks where, you know, Next-gen stats said he had a 90, 90% chance of winning at this time and and this 0.2% chance of losing, and, and he loses. It's And it's happened to Herbert three times. So the biggest difference that I think makes 
Burrow, my favorite more than Herbert is, Herbert, no one saw it coming. Herbert wasn't even supposed to start. Terod Taylor was uh, supposed to start at quarterback. And when Taylor got hurt by his own trainer, I think, um, yeah. here comes Herbert just literally lighting it up with this ridiculously strong arm. Everybody's like, oh, his arm's not going to translate to the NFL. The receivers may move so much more faster. Let me tell you something. Ooh, that, boy's, that boy can throw. Now, with Burrow, he comes in the national champion. He comes in as a Heisman candidate, if, if not the winner. And everybody's like, I want a piece of that dude. I can't wait till I play that dude. I'm licking my chops. I want to lay one on a on a Heisman winning quarterback who my, who thinks who who if he he even dreams of coming into the NFL and making an impact, he better wake up and apologize. <laughs> so Joe has all of that sauce coming at him. Not bad sauce, just competitive sauce. And the way he's responded, I'm so so impressed. And it's and I love the conversation because neither there's there's. There's a debate to be had, but at the end, who the hell's even wrong? Who the hell's even wrong about this debate? No one, <laughs> right? I mean, you, I, I think next year is going to say a lot. And this year, they are who we thought they were. They're the uh, decent quarterbacks on on rebuilding teams, right? Cincinnati, pretty much clean house. Um, the Chargers had some injuries in key positions before the season started for anyone that watched the HBO hard knocks can give you more of an insight on that because they had both teams. They had both teams at the same time on hard knocks, both, both LA teams. Whereas, you know, the previous hard knocks, it was just one team. Just one per city. Yeah. Yeah, So yeah, yours is Herbert. Mine is Burrow and the winners are the fans. I, Thoroughly enjoy watching Cincinnati play. I never thought I'd hear the day I'd say that to myself. I love it's watching true. Cincinnati I do too. play. <laughs> I mean, I do too. look, as a New Yorker, right? You're a Giants and Jets guy or whatever. And <laughs> man, you got to get your inspiration somewhere. <laughs> and mine, I just think, you know, yeah, you know, for ahead. the Giants too, like Giants or Jet fan, you know, being from New York, you know, you appreciate not only good football, being that they're those good football teams, but or good football football cultures, I should say. Um, but you respect good quarterback play. You know, I mean, between the Giants and the Jets, there's been two good quarterbacks in the entire franchise of right. both of them. Huh. There's been uh, Phil Simms and there's been Eli Manning. And that's it. I- I'm sorry. Like, I don't really see any other quarterbacks that are great. You know? <laughs> and Joe, and uh, even and those Na- two. Even Joe Namath, I mean... I mean, but again, it's a different time. That was a, I think he was, was one of the greatest leaders yeah. ever. But look at the score of that game. It was, what, 12-7 or 12-9? Yeah. yeah, it's like, come on, man. That's not a that's not a quarterback leading you from great quarterback play to a Super Bowl. You know? it's I mean, just, come on. It's a great team. Eli was 17-14, hey, but... but I, I, that's why I'm saying. I'm not even yeah. saying Eli is great. You're I'm right. I'm just saying yeah. he's, got, he's got Super Bowl rings. You know, he did it at some time, <laughs> you know? An M V P. I like God. I can't, I'm not can't even do that twice. I got lucky. For anyone <laughs> listening to the audio, I did something. Then never mind. All right. So, finishing over football, I got one more question, and a lot of it we're going to cover the NFL on quick question because that's the only thing that existed. And maybe we'll do our Dodgers thing at the end. Maybe a kudos thing at the end. Uh, Tua. 
threw a couple of balls last week, looked sharp. Flores made a command decision that I disagreed with, but all at the same time understood why. Like, if you draft him the first round, you got to see if he's your man. Now's the time to see if he's your man. And I, but and in I, the bye season, you make, I mean, the bye week, you make yeah. that decision? Yeah. Skeptical. I don't love that. I don't love that. And I mean, and it was the first time, like I said, Fitzpatrick was playing as if he didn't have a contract. <laughs> and they were following him and the receivers celebrated with him and the offensive line men were giving him big hugs. And they're, and now they're out there protecting him. And now they're out there starting fights if you hit your quarterback. And I hope but, I hope they do the same for Tua. But you know what that sounds like, though? That sounds like a backup quarterback. <laughs> I'm sorry. That right, sounds yeah. like a backup. You don't like... You got to at least Career act like you've done it before. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I've always loved I, Ryan Fitzpatrick, not to segue, but I've always loved Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But for me, he's just like, you know, a lot of these journeyman quarterbacks. Nick Foles was that journeyman quarterback for a long time. I'm not he's saying jag, they can't yeah. play at a high caliber level, but, you know. He's a jag, just, just a guy. Just so, a guy. So what'd you think? His debut. What did you did? Did his debut say anything about him? Uh, really sharp. Uh, under on on the underneath medium medium uh medium length routes. Um, he throws a really pretty ball, which receivers love. You know, they love to catch it in stride and keep going. Um, I mean, there's not much you can see. I mean, look at what Lamar Jackson did his first year. Look at what um Baker Mayfield did his first year. Look what Kyler Murray did his first year. Look what Patrick Mahomes did in his first year. I mean, this first small stint that he had. It's very difficult to not only be on the same speed and the same page as the players, the defense around you, but on your, of your own players, you know, your own timings. You know, do I have to throw a ball a little harder? Do I got to leave it lofty a little bit more? You know, what I see, is that, is that really what I see or am I still in the college days? So for him to not only go out and win, maybe he galvanized his team with a good quarterback play. Maybe his team just, you know, his defense played well. Um, but they won. That's it. You yeah. know, like they won against one of the best defensive players in the league. You know, they won against one of the smartest offensive coaches in the league. And they won against a team with over a 500 record. So, yes, I get yeah. it's in Miami. Yes, L.A. had to fly all the way from L.A. Um, it's a Miami, but yeah. I'll take wins, you know. And I always, for some reason, whether Miami was good or bad, they've always played tough. They've always, it's just, I don't know what it is, but they've always been a tough team to play against. So I love that they finally have a quarterback that they can build around. Um, and I love, I, I, same thing I would say for the Cincinnati Bengals. I can't wait to watch the next game of the Miami Dolphins. I don't think I'd ever think I'd say that in my life. Yeah. Look, Brian Flores, head coach Flores, that boy could coach. That dude could coach. He's young, he's energetic, and he brings almost a college-type atmosphere into professional sports that galvanizes his team to go out and play. And you'd never see them take a playoff, even when they didn't have talent. And we thought they were going to go 0-16 last year and wind up winning five games or something like that, beating the Patriots at the end too and knocking the Patriots out of uh, their bye week. Subsequently, they lost to the Titans, you know, on an interception return for a touchdown. But that started with this team that that wasn't that was like, listen, we're not your setup guy, we're not your Palooka dude. So, Tua, 
like like I said, I didn't see. I saw a very small sample size, and I didn't see anything differently than I saw him do in Alabama. I thought it was very Nick Saban like. Nick Saban likes to run the ball. Flores ran the ball. Nick, Nick Saban coaches good defense. Miami had good defense. They scored a, on a, on a fumble return for a touchdown. They scored on a kickoff return for a touchdown. I consider special teams defense anyway. So. So it's one of those things where all he really had to do was not beat himself, and if it's someone's open, throw a touchdown pass, and that's exactly what he did. If you look at his numbers, they're not even that. that of course, they're not gaudy. He only had 12 completions, and those 12 completions resulted in 90, 93 yards, <laughs> 93 yards passing. And Flores said at the post the the post um, game. Hey, there's going to be a time where I'm needing the throw, and when that time comes, that time comes, and and that's why I think. He, um, he's a match for this team. He, he's playing to his limitations. He knows when not to beat himself, and that's mature beyond your years for a rookie, right? We did. I mean, should we even say Dallas Cowboys this week? No, we're not. Except for me to say it that one time, this one time. And with that being said, no, of course I didn't see a lot because he he wasn't required to show a lot. So I need to see more. But so far, given the sample size, yeah, I like it. I'm not. I'm not taking. A, I mean, I'm not going to throw a two a ticker tape parade, you know, like everybody else. It made national news. This guy won a game. I'm like, relax, <laughs> relax, you know. But, but you know, no. But on it's top of that, you it's know, all they're, positive, they're teams, right? How many quarterbacks yeah. would lose that that game or find ways to lose a lot. that game? I mean, what uh, four the, teams this season? There's 64 quarterbacks and there's 10 quarterbacks, uh, probably all backups and maybe one starter that can find a way to lose that game. So oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and not even to mention, you know, Miami's lack of talent. You know, they're just lacking in talent on, and and the places that they can lack talent, but you know, their offensive, defensive line, not too shabby. You know, but their skill players is obviously where they need more help. And as a quarterback, that's there's so many things that go into making a quarterback better, um, and that's why I'm just taking what he did from, you know, the areas of what he had to work with. Um, but 12, 12 attempts, I don't know. That seems a little suspect to me. Um, over an entire game, 12 attempts for yeah. a starting quarterback. That's – Yeah, well, that's the, that's the coach. That's the coach and the offensive coordinator. I, I mean, Garoppolo, it, but... Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl – if you remember, on I mean, there was a series they had. They ran the ball 22, 22 straight times. Right, and I'm I'm down with that, but yeah. that was them putting it on them. You know, it wasn't wow, like ah, yeah. oh, you know, three possessions where you know we really didn't do anything, and then because look, even if they it did really win, was. or if they're you know defensively they scored right, yeah, we take away those two touchdowns. It's fourteen ten. You know what I mean? That's a really tight game, and I don't think they should have done any more than they had but you can give them some more attempts you can have them on a on a on a, on a quick slant route and then run the ball three times you know you can make first downs you can you know take away the time on the clock for the other team that just means to me that he wasn't effective enough or that the coach didn't have confidence enough to gain a first down i get running the clock down chewing the clock down but you still got to make first downs yeah yeah and also, when you're ahead that much too, maybe the game plan change in that respect too, right? When you oh, get a whole bunch of turndowns and oh, you're up by, find you're up, uh, yourself up by 15 plus, like more than two scores, yeah, oh, I get that. All right, and, so and that's what I mean. The game slows down, but they, you know, you don't want to yeah. become that team that you know you go up, you don't play because they're not really that good of a team. You no. know, they should be the ones that be trying to blow out people and put as many points in the bar and start feeling confident and comfortable. You know, 
Well, they do get to play the Jets again, so I mean, <laughs> there are definitely confidence builder games. Hopefully, good things happen. Yeah, that's going to be one of our cute, uh, our quick question things. Hey, let's move on really quickly to Mixed Martial Arts, a small event this weekend with a big main event. Um, Uriah Hall defeated um, UFC legend, one of, the, one of the greatest fighters of all time, certainly one of my top three or top four GOATs, greatest of all times, Anderson Silva, TKO in the fourth round. Anderson Silva, um, I'd like to go first because the question is, what do you, our reflection is on what do you think Anderson Silva's legacy is? Anderson Silva's legacy is exactly what this match was. He was over, past his prime and still and still finding trying to find ways to win. He people I don't know if people are ignoring this because sometimes you just remember who got knocked out or who got TKO'd. Anderson was leading on the scorecards all four rounds until he got stopped. He was pointing and it's it's a very difficult fight to watch because you got two counter strikers. And sometimes two counter strikers are waiting for the other guys to get the get off and like a whole minute goes by and no one engage and then you're like you're starting to you're starting to piss me off. I'm watching this. You know, this is I'm on my but time. Then right when now. they do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Anderson Silva, the thing I liked about him that's never talked about because he doesn't talk about it. Uh, like other fighters. Conor McGregor dumps his chest. Any fighter, anytime, anywhere. This guy, any time, any fighter, anytime, anywhere. You know, you know, you got those champions or those certain kind of fighters, Israel, that chumped dump their chest. Anderson Silva wasn't any fighter, anytime, anywhere. And it's totally ignored because he didn't have he didn't uh he didn't feel he was required to say it. This is a guy who defends his title, moves up to two hundred and five pounds. To fight James Irwin moves up to 205 pounds to fight Forrest Griffin from who who back who was one match removed from from winning the title. Uh, moves up to 205 to fight Stefan Barner. Moves up to 205 with three days notice to fight Daniel Cormier because John Jones had a a, a D pill. <laughs> you know, uh, peed hot for a D pill. I'm trying not to say dick, okay? Um, so anyone, any any place, anytime, and the finishes. Oh, what we're we'll always going to remember him for, right? I mean, Vitor Belfort, karate kick, front kick. Uh, Forrest mm. Griffin, move back, jab. At the right place, right part of the chin, <laughs> plop. <laughs> Stefan Bonner, back against the cage. Bonner swings at him four times. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> Missed. Pop. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. He was amazing and I think he invented the term living in the matrix as it applies to mixed martial arts. So even if he wants to fight again, it's not going to be in the UFC because Dana already said it ain't going to happen. It's just it's Dana's a friend and Dana says it hurts him too much to see see him like this. And I guess as to the question of what we think about his legacy, because if you if fighters stick around too long and they start losing matches at the end, for some reason, people think it, it demotes their goat status. And unfortunately, they're right. Like mm. how how you choose to go out um, is almost just as a percentage uh, as high or or lower high uh, maybe five points give or take than how you 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 navigated your whole career. So mm. uh, he's not the greatest of all time, but he's on the goat list. He's top four in my opinion. UFC mm. Pride, definitely Bellator, whatever. Floor is yours. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> if we're talking about uh, his legacy within the UFC, I, I, you know, obviously I completely agree with you. Uh, it was completely past his prime, even when he first got into the UFC. That's what I don't think people really understand. He was already like you know, lower 30s, right? Yeah. 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 And that's when you're Brazilian, and I'm not saying like I know it's for every Brazilian, but most fighters start at a very, very young age. So when he says he's not sure if this is his last fight because it's the air, like fighting is the air that he breathes, he really means that because from a very, very long time, think about it, he's 46 now. If he would have started at 10 years old, that's 36 years Jesus. of combat fighting Good right grief, and that's more than my lifetime he's been in the ring in fighting understanding it growing learning so <clears throat> i don't know who he's fought you know i don't know what he did before he got to the ufc but all of that coming to the culmination of who he was in the ufc you know for me he's the goat not only for what he did on uh <clears throat> on the you know in the octagon but also for you know for me he's like the michael jordan of, of ufc in this in the sense that he grew people's want for the sport to such an extent and it wasn't really even because of his fighting like he was the he was the he was the conor mcgregor you know he was the promotion person without promoting himself before it ever even happened like a lot of these guys can sell fights without even talking without going out there and, and doing all the media and stuff. He started all that. He started all that. You know, there was Chuck Man before and, you know, Tito Ortiz. And there were some really nice, really, you know, well-known fighters. But when it comes to Anderson Silva, not only did his record, uh, how many championships he had, as well as how he did it, you know, very loose, very fun to watch. But he did it for such a long time after he had already done it for such a long time yeah. and did it against the very best, took out the very best. You know, it's just for me, the only time he started losing was like you're saying is when he got older, as we're seeing right now. And do I think it tarnishes his uh, legacy in the UFC? Possibly um, in the short term. But for me, the end of your career is only about that short term, right? Because, huh. you know, we're talking about a legacy, you know. So I understand, sure, maybe the last couple of years it was tough to watch. But yeah, he gave 15, 20 years of amazing martial arts. And I think over average, you won't even remember the, the last things because they're not as fun to watch because we know what he was and what he is. And we want to see that. And that's why Dane is saying, you know, he doesn't want to see that again. But that's not really Dana's call, no offense. And that's why he can go and fight in the Pride. And he can go yeah. fight in uh, even K1. Dana's, you know? Dana's he's, Silva still has a fight on, on one fight left on a contract. So Dana would have to release some of that. And I, I, don't, I don't think Dana's going to would be a dick about that. You know, I think. But the thing is, is it's just mixing business and pleasure. Right. You know, it, it, it would make a lot more sense if he didn't say he was my friend. Right. But the fact now that he said, oh, well, I'm doing this because Anderson's my friend and I can't see that anymore. You know, that's your like problem. Chuck, yeah. That's not Anderson Silva's problem. You know, like his with... his issue is I have to, you know, leave something that's been my, you know, has been 
what it, people explain me as, you know, before they even meet me. You know, I have to leave that behind. You know, you, you, you're not there. You know, you'll probably never be there in the sport and talking to Dana White. You know, you'll probably never be in that position until you, very late in your life, you know, because mm. you're not doing a physical activity, you know, and that's not where you get your, you know, your life breaths from. So, I think yeah, Cheryl, for me, I, I think yeah. it's a little out, out, outside of Dana's realm to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate it, you know, and I, I think he appreciates it well, but it's it's up to Anderson Silva. And I think that, honestly, I would love to see him fight another time because it's just, I, I feel like he's been doing this so many times that he's been trying to fight to finish on a good note, you know, because he's had such a career. He wants to finish then, with a win. Yeah, and it's just like this. Could, the this so could have been it, and then it happened again. This weekend yeah. could have so been it. He was it ahead. It could have been it. Anyone watching that fight, guys, he was ahead on the scorecards. You know? Um, yeah, and I, I think Chael deserves some credit there, too, because in order to move the needle and get people interested, sometimes you need a bad guy, you know, that 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 antagonist or that nemesis to, to bring out the best in you. And and that was one of that was fight of the year. And Chael ended up t- uh, testing positive for um, TR elevated TRT or whatever. But that was fight, that that, fight? The, uh, the first fight where Chael was up oh. four rounds to zero, and then Chael slapped and, and then, then Silva slapped on that triangle joke. Um, that was one of the best fights of the year. That was fight of the year. And then the day later, he's like, ah, wow, glad Chael didn't win. <laughs> Be a vacant title, but yeah. So Uriah Hall who I, I think saved his career in the UFC by winning this fight. Because he loses this fight. And not, and not only does Anderson Silva, like you say, feel good about leaving. I left on a win. Maybe this is a good time to hang it up. Dana's like, well, you gone too. Come on, man. You lost to someone that was 45 mm-hmm. years old. Um, and Dana's always had a problem with Uriah Hill being gun-shy and being too nice to people. You know, what he calls niceness, I call respectful. So I disagree with Dana on that. Who... um. Who'd be a good fight for um, Uriah Hall? Do you think maybe Derek Brunson? Yeah, I think that would be nice just to, because I know Derek Brunson wants to keep proving himself and and uh, not necessarily move up the rankings, but, um, you know, just to prove himself against a guy who, you know, nationally was just seen, you know, is just proven in himself. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a great fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, so congratulations, Silva. And I, I, I don't know. I hope you stay retired. But if he needs to fight again, if he wants to fight again, I mean, right? These, like you said, some some people must participate in their own salvation or 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 prove us wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Greg Hardy, victorious over Maurice Green, heavyweight fight. Greg Hardy's right now six six and two, doing really really well. And and finally, for the first time in a post fight presser. He was pressed about his past, about domestic abuse and, and him maintaining his innocence over that. And it's not really a question, Rob. I just want to state my opinion. I thought that he handled the questions very professionally. Like, the, you know, it, it, I think basically it was hinting that it would be easy to just say I did it and say I'm a new man, you know, and do it your way, you know, and then people forgive me and say that, you know, that Greg Hardy back then is not the Greg Hardy now. Um but he maintains his innocence. And I guess I got to respect him for that. But you brought up something very, very, I'm going to give you the floor because you brought up something about CTE, about brain trauma and playing football and how, like, we're not trying to be disrespectful, but we look, you look in Greg Hardy's eyes and you're not going to say it, so I'll say it for you. Something don't look right. 
<laughs> you know, like something, I think a lot of things he's dealing with is internal. And I think it uh, might derive from, I guess, like you said, just these, these helmet to helmet collisions for years and years and years in the NFL, you know, and me personally, I enjoy watching the guy now because he, he was raw and he's, he's this elite athlete that wanted to become an MMA guy. And, and I'm glad he's found a way to, to rebound, you know, even if you hate him, like if he doesn't get to work, he becomes our problem, but, but no, hell with that. I'm a fan. But talk to me a little bit about, like, we were talking in the beginning about CTE and, like, how, um, I don't even... Yeah, I just, I just think it's, uh, you know, the NFL's, like, dirty little secret, you know, where they're trying to, you know, brush under the rug where, uh, you know, what CTE really can cause, um, where they're trying to save their sport, in a sense. Um, you know, you have guys that look like, you know, Greg Hardy, uh, you have guys that act like uh, Miles Garrett, you know, who they seem really nice guys. You know, uh, the sport is a violent sport, sure, but they've all done it enough. I played football myself. You know, we've done it enough where you understand the difference between hurting somebody and aggression. And it's not a terrible thing to have aggression. Um, but when you can't control that, you know, and then you go to, you know, there's things that have happened at home. There's a lot of domestic to violence, domestic violence disputes. Um, sometimes the only people that can really challenge other people are your own family members and the people that are the closest to you. Um, and when I look like when I look at a guy like Greg Hardy, I don't look I look at him as a guy who hasn't fully grasps whether or not you know that whole situation happened or not um hasn't grasped like the importance of the situation okay you didn't do it even if she's lying why don't you stand up for people who have to had had to go through that you know what i'm saying um that would be a route of um gaining acceptance you know or of i'm innocent you know but to disregard you know, everything that's happening and then to choose to go into a more violent professional career, which again, I have nothing as MMA. I love MMA. I think MMA is safer than <laughs> football, but it's indefinitely more violent where you're tasked on taking out the person in front of you. That screams violence, you know, and it should be, but not from a guy who came from a domestic dispute, you know, a domestic violence dispute, saying that uh, it never happened, but yet going into a more violent sport, totally fine. You can do that. But it seems as though the aggression comes past a certain point, past the point of what we were talking about before, um, impulse, you know. And <clears throat> basically all I'm trying to get to is that I, I really do believe that, you know, when you look at a guy like Greg Hardy, you look into his eyes, you see how he speaks to people and you see how he, how aggressive he is on, uh, you know, in the octagon. For me, a lot of these things come from uh, not being able to control your, your, your emotions, you know, not being able to control your, your impulses like we were talking before. Right. So I love Greg Hardy. I think he's a, a great MMA fighter, but I think there are, terrible things going on underneath uh underneath the hood and there's been many sports where this has happened 
where they didn't claim it to be uh, martial arts sports, but wrestling, you know, for a long time, a lot of people, uh, Shawn Michaels. I mean, these people have literally killed their family members and then killed themselves. That was Chris Benoit, yeah. Chris Benoit. I believe Shawn Michaels also no, he's, passed um, away from that. No, he's alive. He 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 oh found Jesus. He found Jesus and his brain's on a completely different plateau, which I think oh honestly, like I'm not a big big religious guy, but anyone that's in a religion that says, Hey, don't cheat on your wife, don't kill, don't steal, save a day out of the week so we could chill out, I'm okay with. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty good I'm, I'm okay with those things. Yeah, so I'm so glad you yes. said that. And and for the people listening to this version, Rob and I, we're gonna be on our own separate episode of the Option Podcast, where uh, you and me, I'd like us to do, do a little bit of research on brain brain trauma, also on violent crimes like serial killing or whatever and i'd like for us to for the people listening rob and i are going to have our episode and we're going to discuss uh sickness versus evil and just and we're going to delve into the science a little bit and i got some people you know from new york because i worked in a medical practice for 17 years and maybe we could have someone come on for that or maybe we'll just do it on the next um, episode of sports debate tuesday with a special guest you know me mm-hmm. and you could brush up on our research because this is um brain trauma and certain parts of your brain like a certain cortex or layer of the brain that's supposed to mediate your impulses if that gets damaged then your impulses are not mediated mediated and you're just acting on the first thing that comes to your mind. And that's what brain trauma is. That's what CT is. Um, your impulse. Because our dirty little secret, Rob, is we all think something. I, I just said before the podcast, so someone cuts you off, right? Someone gives, maybe gives you a finger. You tell yourself, I should, I, should, I should F that dude up. And if your brain is damaged, what are you going to do? You're, you're going you're, 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 you're gonna to obey your impulses. And so it's not really, it's about damaged, uh, you know, um, brain and trauma and all that stuff and CTE. But it's also, there was um, what it, what it, uh, people are trying to figure out what it does. And I think that's what it does. And I'd like to study up. I think it just gets rid of your mediation of the impulses because we all have the impulses. We all fly off the handle. Sometimes we all have these demons in our head and Sometimes if you're suffering something else like delusions or, or, or if you're schizophrenic and, and you have that CTE, you're acting on impulses where you think a street might be a, 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 a street light might be an alien. <laughs> pow, 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 pow. So, yeah. And I mean, that's that's yeah. in like the most, mm-hmm. you know, pedestrian uh, cases, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of these cases where there's multiple and multiple and multiple, like very high level amounts of concussions you know secondary concussions you know you you have people that are hearing voices you know you have people that are you know going into dementia at age 40 you know what i mean and and we don't understand you know that's why i was really trying to get to it's really mental health you know if we had any resemblance of trying to figure out mental health on a you know a worldwide level this probably wouldn't be as big of an issue but the fact is this is the very first key to getting into the door of mental health. Yep. And it it's the only reason it's happening is because it can affect the NFL's bottom line. Honestly, this could destroy the NFL. And this happened, this came out, you know, three, four, five years ago now, but this could destroy the NFL blatantly on the amount of people, kids that could be hurt with secondary concussions. I mean, aggression, you know, not being able to control your emotions, uh, having to go to counseling for that over many, many years, that's what can come from, from peewee sports 
head to head collisions. And I know they're trying to do, you know, heads up, you know, play smart football. And that's great. And I want mm-hmm. concussions to go down. Yeah. I want football. To and be we, we, we got a big education sport. as coaches, right? We, we have to, mm-hmm. we got to, we got to certify every few years and, you know, every every course has new updates and new information, and we can we can, you know, as as amateurs, spread the wealth in that in that regard. Cool, man. All right, so let's get this part over with. I mean, I really like to shame or not to shame, but maybe the subject matter is just do our thirty seconds part. So for the people listening, this is the portion of our podcast we call to shame or not to shame. 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 All right, Rob, here we go. To shame or not to shame. Let's cook up our clock. Let's do that. All right, Rob, to shame or not to shame. The Saints and the Bears. Wims and Gardner getting into a scuffle actually in portions of this game to shame or not to shame i already know the answer but let's do it uh yeah i mean it's the shame not only the fact that you know we're in a pandemic and these guys are trying to stay socially you know somewhat socially distanced to each other so there's no reason to you know go after each other and hit each other you know you guys are playing football you know on the other instance, you know, if this guy really did spit in his face, I would, you know, rather a, a more immediate reaction as opposed to, you know, 11 minutes later in the game, you know, you go up and rip his mouthpiece out and then punch him in the head twice. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. For me, it's shame, 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 okay? I mean, it's really easy for me to sit sit here and say this, but if there's an allegation of someone spitting on someone. If someone spits on me, my impulse, where we were talking about mediating impulses, I don't know if I can mediate that one. That's really, really tough. But at the same time, there's so much at stake. You, you, you know, this is a game that's going to be close. In fact, it was decided by a field goal. And you, you, you have to be better because these are decisions that people are trying to make you do the wrong thing so you can get a 15-yard penalty. So... Shame. Shame, shame, shame. Shame a fool. Okay. We'll do this. And we'll do this. And that was our segment of to shame or not to shame, Rob. Now we're going to literally do a lightning round because I think we've been doing 50-minute podcasts every week and we're doing fine. Um, this section of the podcast is called Quick Question. Quick Question. Quick question. Tell Miranda to stop that. <laughs> question. He says stop. <laughs> Quick question. Will Khabib um will Khabib ever fight again? Um yes, absolutely. I say no. Quick question. Bill Belichick says the lack of lack of depth on his team is because of the salary cap. Is that true or false? No, it's because he's got freaking he and Robert Kraft can't can't pay can't pay people. And I I'm with you. I say false, and it's because they've gotten fined so much for freaking cheating. That's that's where they're losing their money. <laughs> Quick question: Will the Jets go zero and sixteen? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Yes, I say yes. Quick question: Good Bills or bad Patriots over the weekend? Uh, good bills, good bills. I go bad Patriots. 
Cam had a fumble where he, I mean, he could have literally went up a score instead of tied the game. That was the last, that was the end of the game, though. But Come that's on. to win or lose. It was a good game either yeah. way. I know, but it was a good game either yeah. way. At least they didn't get trounced. <laughs> I'm wor- I worry about my Bills all the time. They're 30th in the league in third downs. And like getting Oof. off the field, so it's tough. What is Ed Oliver been doing? I'm sorry, yeah. we we on this, but <laughs> we need we need to have a conversation, right? <laughs> um, quick question: Can the Washington Football Team win the NFC East? <laughs> I mean, can they? Yes. <laughs> Will they? The record? Uh, who? I really hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. Just, just throw this away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, they can, and like, but like you said, the answer is no. I think when push comes to shove, the Eagles will win. Mm-hmm. Quick question: Is Carson Wentz the starting quarterback next year? Uh, for sure. I just don't think there's enough quarterbacks in the league to to overtake him. I say yes. Quick question: Who is the better receiver right now, DJ Metcalf or Tariq Hill? Metcalf from the Seahawks or Hill from Kansas oh, City? Oh, for sure, DK Metcalf. Just because, man, they just getting him the ball and he's just striding, dude. Oof. I go Metcalf because they both show that they can catch up to people. <laughs> I'm a prisoner of the moment, and I feel like I'm being disrespectful to Hill. But uh, fun nah. conversation. Hill doesn't lose on this either. But I say Metcalf. We have to pick if we have to pick one. Um, all right, we're nearing the end of our podcast, but before we go, I want to give a shout out to my boy Joe Burrow. Two hundred forty-nine yards, no sacks, and two touchdowns. He's learning on how not to beat himself, and I think some of these close games they were losing, and there was one that ended in a tie, I believe, with the Eagles. He'll do a better job. Big up to Mike Tomlin, career win one hundred and forty. He is, he is now the leader in career wins all time NFL. For African Americans, he passed Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy has 139, and right now Tomlin is 21 on that list. A long list that you know was funneled with nothing but white coaches. So that says a lot to be sniffing the outside of the top 20. And you know what? He's going to be in the top 20 because Marv Levy, uh, Buffalo Bills legend, legendary coach, and war vet, has 143. And, with, and Tomlin at 140, we all know he's going to pass that. Who you got a big up? Um, Who do I got a big up to? Like, uh, nobody. I don't know, man. I ain't got nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's like, we ain't COVID now, Jason. I ain't in the mood. <laughs> yeah, I'm barely talking to people. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's all we got then. Cool. Um, Anything you'd like to say before we leave? Uh, vote. Yes. Oh, I was waiting for the thanks. Thank you. God bless you. Good night. <laughs> I was like this, like, like that caveman, like. What you um, gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> no, vote. Hey, everybody, vote. Listen, for all of you, for those of you that voted um by mail, go track dot org. Trackyourvote.org. dot org, and track your vote can tell you. You plug in your name, your date of birth, and it can tell you if, you're, that your, if your vote was received or not. So if anyone worried that their vote got lost in the mail or still stuck in the mail, go, go on track your vote. And um, very secure line. It's a government's government-protected line. And check and make, make sure your vote is received. So do that. 
But for everybody else, I think that's it. I think I had enough. I think I had enough of you. I don't even know if Rob McLean likes you this week, to tell you the truth. But I think, but Rob's got love for all. So for everybody at home, for everyone watching this, you know, Starbucks, iPad, iPhone, Droid, desktop, singing Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. From my boy, Rob. Keep it McLean McLean. This is episode 40, and I'm Jason DeBellis. And I love you guys to pieces. Thank you for supporting the show, man. Big up, and we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.